0: Michael Russell Film Photography Podcast. I'm here in the uh, Jones Mansion studio with Leslie Lazenby.
1: Hello, studio audience and pod
0: people. Mr. Matt Mirage. Hey, how's it going, everybody out there? Mr. Mark O'Brien. Good morning, everyone. And our special guest, Mr. Robert Ham from the Ham Camera Company.
2: Hey, it's Yeah.
0: And This is one of the rare occasions where we have a studio audience. Only a few times every few years, we have uh, folks in the audience. It's a real pleasure to have you here, to have our listeners, your faces, right in front of me. It's what I dream about. It's like, <laughs> oh, my. That's a nightmare, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I was joking before we started that, you know, for a studio audience, that I, I should have thought of it. I mean, how many comics are there, Leslie, who would love to come in and... Work crowd a little bit I could
1: give you half a dozen Just like that
0: We had some night activities uh, You know Day activities (laughs) yesterday Here at the Jones We
1: could have brought A a local magician in (gasps) I know some of those too A clown One of them shies to me On a car deal (laughs) No clown. Oh that was the clown
3: Bozo No (laughs) B-O-Z-O Sorry Uh... You've never heard of Bozo the clown No
0: how could you not know who Bozo the Clown is? I don't
3: know, I just
0: don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> we have a bunch of different topics. I know we're going to start, and this is a fascinating topic, and I know not everyone here is uh, a wedding photographer, but what's fascinating to me about wedding photography is because the many times I spoke about how John Fideli and I shot <laughs> weddings on videotape, of course always hobnobbing with the still photographers, shooting usually their Mamiya 645 medium format cameras, or the photographer not talking to us at all, didn't want to know us, and would go out of the way to physically like, (laughs) like nudge us out of the way, or we'd have a shot set up,
2: and they would actually just stand in front of the shot.
0: Does that still happen, Robert?
2: Well, I'd like to say that it doesn't happen as often as maybe you encountered it. I like the uh, videographers, If I encounter any on-site. Right.
0: And do you see, the videographers you see in this year, 2018, do you still see the two types of videographers? The guys that are always on sticks, rolling around, or the guys, new style, with cameras on their
2: shoulder? No, I see a lot of people with gimbals. It's all kind of gone digital, and a lot of it is actually not being shot with uh, HD, DVR type of video recorders. It's being shot on digital SLRs.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And cool. do you see, I guess these days, the
2: Steadicam-esque, that like a lot of the… Yeah, the gimbals, the motorized gimbals like yeah. the Ronin-S that just came out. That's a big deal. Do you,
0: do you add moving pictures to your packages? Absolutely. So oh, you I, do?
2: I do offer videography, and uh, I'm in the category where I run and gun with uh, gimbals. I've got a crew of three people that can come with me depending on what the wedding requires. But um, to talk about your first question like how the interaction is, Um, lots of times the videographers are the ones that are the nicest to me when I get there. We talk about the shots. I go over my shot list. I try to get with them ahead of time and build that relationship, and that happens pretty often. It's photographers, other photographers that uh, are kind of like getting your shot. If there's somebody there that may have been an Uncle Bob that wanted to shoot the wedding as a gift, they kind of, they might try to jump on your shot because they feel like you know they wanted to do it.
0: Can you sense that testosterone?
2: (laughs) Oh, that's a lot. It smells. It smells. Yeah. Gym socks is what it smells like. <laughs> okay. How about
4: drones? Are people using drones too? Sadly, yes.
2: So people are using drones. The problem in Virginia Beach is that you get hit hard if you don't have that permit there. And um, I've got a drone certification. But uh, the second part is that lots of times people have a hard time paying for that drone footage when you get that thing in the sky. Because it's kind of expensive to get a good, like a real... Not just a Best Buy special, right. you know? Nothing wrong with that, but to get something nice, you need uh, like the Inspire 1 that gets up there.
0: Do you bring a drone operator with you?
2: That's the other expensive part. So you have to have eyes on, and you have to have an operator and a pilot. So okay. you need two people to fly. And I'm the pilot, so if I'm there, one of my seconds has to, has right. to you know.
0: How big of a crew do you bring to a wedding?
2: Well, it, it really depends. I'd say about half of the weddings are one-man jobs, okay. uh, just in general. Um, usually six hours or less, and the rest of my weddings require a crew. So two people, maybe full day or multiple days. just depends.
0: And were you a film shooter, then a digital shooter, and now back to a, a hybrid digital film shooter?
2: I think that uh, for weddings and things like that, it always was digital, just the way that I worked starting around uh, 2003. I was going to say, you're
0: the type of handsome man. You can't. <laughs> You can't really mm-hmm. tell how old you are. Yeah, I mean, you could be in your 30s. 93. You, you could be older. Yeah. So I don't really know what year you started shooting.
2: Well, I, started, I got into photography when I was young. My uh, my dad gave me a Minolta AF when it came out back in 1987, and I shot like uh, the Berkeley Palace and things like that in North Carolina, and it was really enjoyable. And I shot film all the way through high school when I got into, you know, photography in high school. And I took that class, at elective. I took it every year because right. I loved it. But um, – Right around 2003 when I got married and the digital started switch happened. Uh, Next thing you know, shooting digital on a Fuji, by the way. Okay. s 7,000, and that was it.
0: It was was an exciting new thing. I mean, Matt, you could jump in on this because you started digital.
2: Yes, I learned digital first. I mean,
0: in in that transition when digital really started picking up and it seemed that everyone thought film was just done for, everyone jumped on that digital bandwagon. And that was the. I'm guessing you found some really great gear to shoot weddings with, and then you were just digital.
2: That's right. And so uh, the the gear I was shooting weddings with and stuff, and the weddings I was shooting for was beer for soldiers because I was in the army at the time. So it was a, a great way to go. Uh, I was always the guy with the camera, so it was a, a simple transition. Uh, but later on in 2011, I got my first paid gig, and uh, that was a different story. A whole 300 dollars, 270, 300 bucks. Yeah a big deal.
0: <laughs> at what point did you uh, get the sense that you wanted to fold film into it or offer film as a package to, to clients?
2: So when you start looking at your your scope of work and your body of work and you've got your signature shots and you're planning all that stuff out, there will be a time, I believe, if you're, if you're photographing, that you want to take your, film, your photography to the next level and you recognize there's something that's missing. And digital, although it can look like anything because you can process it, there's a clinical aspect to it it's say there's especially now with the high iso sensors it's so clean there's a characteristic that's not really there people started looking for something that was a little bit more filmic and i noticed that my bride started liking the type of shooting i was still doing for me which was of my family which happened to be film so i started offering black and white you know just 35 millimeter on a I mean, olympus rd Do you remember what year that was uh that was 2015 oh okay Two, about three years of three and a half years of digital and then it was film started folding into it. What's the, the uh, ratio of film to, to digital you're shooting? Well, if, if you ask the brides, most of them don't really know, so there's an education process that go along with it. So I'd say about 30% right now recognize that they want film at some point. And even when uh, even we go over the packages and we're talking about that stuff and they don't act like they want film right then, I still bring my film cameras and shoot three or four rolls of film so that I can create a, an album of images for them. Because I know that they're going to want something like that. And most of the time, it'll be black and white if they're not asking right. for it up front.
0: Okay, very cool. And is uh, that your main, is
2: that your day job, so to speak? So I'm a photographer, full-time. That's what I do.
0: We're going to come back and talk to talk to you about how you started Ham Camera Company. Sure. And, and that journey. But I just wanted to open up with a whole... Uh, Because I know, are any other folks here in the audience shooting weddings? Any wedding photographers here?
5: It's a lot of fun. (laughs) I've done a few side gigs. Oh, Mostly assisting anymore, but uh, the last all-film wedding I shot was back in 2013, so it's been a minute. Do you like it? No. And actually, uh, on behalf (laughs) of all salty former wedding shooters everywhere, Robert, I want to apologize. Because now when I go to a wedding, I have to get roaring drunk. Uh, so I, so I don't well so I don't get in the way of the photographer. Oh, but gotcha. there, there's a happy there's a happy medium because if you get too drunk, then I'm going around like, oh yeah, oh, yeah just trying real hard today with 24 to 105. It's gonna be a great night. Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> so. I detected yeah. a bit of Rick
2: Sanchez. In yeah, that. there's a
5: little bit of that.
0: Yeah, but it's it's bad. Yeah, guys, are there any podcasts? A wedding photographer podcast?
2: Um, the uh, the. Unfortunately, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts other than, like, you guys and lens list, negative podcasts, There are. There things are. like that. There are. Yeah.
0: There's got to be uh, definitely YouTube channels.
2: Well, you know who I, I like? I like uh, Chelsea and Tony Northrop. I like their information that they provide for yep. digital cameras and things like that. Um, and then for how I learned, like, Lightroom and Photoshop, it was Flern Aaron Nace. I think that guy's really cool. Right. But that's I really, for me, I, I try not to get into too much of that. I just like doing my own thing.
0: Okay, cool. For folks listening, what are the names of those those channels you listen to? Well,
2: if you want to learn Photoshop and Lightroom, oh. that's Flern. This is obviously digital stuff. But if you want to just learn about the cool cameras out there in general, I like Tony and Chelsea Northrup.
0: You seem, Robert. You seem like uh, you enjoy. Shooting. I love it. I absolutely. Yeah. And you look. You look like the type of guy that you you uh, have a, a nice relationship with the couple. I mean, I, I I've been there. You know, I mean, it's a tough job. I always felt bad for the still photographer. Because you know, shooting moving pictures is always we knew the routine, but you have the responsibility of making sure you get that portrait with grandma or grandpa, getting that group shot. And sometimes sure. it's hard to yeah. extract the so, people from the the ballroom into you know That's right.
2: So there's a lot of planning that goes involved. In it. it's not spur of the moment. It's not hip pocket. I always have a shot list, but these are my shots, my signature shots. And we go over a, a lookbook where that we plan their wedding. So by the time I sit down with the bride and groom on wedding day and we're doing all that stuff, we know pretty much what we're doing. And I've never met a bridezilla. I've got other photographers that talk about that, and I think that that comes into play when you've got the wrong expectations. If we know where I'm going to be and what I'm doing, we're going to have a great day.
0: You know why you haven't met a bridezilla?
2: Why? Because you're not working in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> and you are in the state of Georgia? Rocky Mount, North Carolina, is where I was born, born and raised. Okay. And I, I actually live in Virginia Beach. I go okay, all the way up I'm to so sorry. Okay. North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, up do you, down the East Coast, basically.
5: Do you do uh, destination work?
2: Or, yeah, so I've got a couple of weddings that i photographed in New York City. Sometimes I've got to get a permit to get out there on uh, Townsend Park or whatever, Central Park, and then uh, go down to Miami. Basically, if I can fly there for about hundred bucks. Hundred and fifty bucks one way, then uh, then I just kind of get on that train and and I put advertising out there as well. I put out Google marketing and stuff like that.
5: I noticed some markets are really uh, more destination based than than locale based. Uh, I noticed in Columbus, a lot of the pro shooters that walk into the shop, uh, the ones that are really really working it, uh, most weekends are not even in the state. They're like they're out of there, so they right. they specifically target that kind of. Uh, that kind of clientele. It's it's really interesting to see all the, the different levels of, of workers. Sadly, uh, there's a lot of the, oh, I'm afraid of the bride and groom, and they bought us a camera as a present, and yeah. I've never shot a thing before. So uh, that's that's interesting. I'm sure you run into that.
2: Yeah, I kind of alluded to that a little earlier with Uncle Bob's and getting there with the videographers. If they hire a crew to do that, it's pretty professional. I try to reach out and make contact with them ahead of time, so we're on the same page, and I think they appreciate that because it's not something that you see a lot in photography or at least wedding photography in my area the which the wedding photographers that um, I have a more difficult time creating that relationship with because it's a choked market and everybody's if you get a job and they don't there's sometimes there's egos at play and it's the bride's choice not mine so.
0: Are there camera clubs or clubs or wedding photography associations?
2: Well I will have to say that um, there are right but unfortunately, the place that I find the least amount of camaraderie is where I would consider my professional work to be, and that's in wedding photography. Where I found the most open community and welcoming community was actually when I started with Newbox, and we'll talk about that later, with film, because it's the film enthusiasts that are excited about something, you know, compared to what I experience with the, uh, the working professionals. I've got some friends that are working pros in the the wedding world in the Hampton Roads area, but they're few and far between.
0: Do uh, do brides and or grooms boast to their friends when they select, like, a film package? They do, right. <laughs> they do.
2: <laughs> they do. And um, the they also get a chance to boast afterwards because lots of times brides don't know, and the grooms, grooms usually go with the flow. They don't usually care. Most of the time when we sit down, they're the ones drinking, like, double yeah. shot of something um <laughs> so right. they're they're in it for whatever uh, but i always photograph with film ever since 2015 even if the bride doesn't ask for it because i'm going to make an album with that mm-hmm. and i'm going to use that album even if they choose not to purchase it in the afterwards but it'll help somebody they like it one way or the other but they don't know it because it's kind of kind of uh modern again new old school yeah how often do you get stiffed out of a meal i don't it's built into my contract, contract. oh built into no. everything no. nice um okay. so no. so when no. i'm Not there my job. yeah <laughs> Leslie, no you shot weddings
1: i shot a ton of weddings all oh, right talk about every late.
2: weekend yeah. i love it no. I, it's in your contract it's in my contract
0: does ever the hall try to stiff you out of that meal
2: do you like the dining facility yes or whatever? No, no 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 really
0: Mm-mm. do you no. have to eat in the kitchen? No, I want. No. in fact,
2: in my contract, it says that I eat with the bride and groom at the same time that they eat when they sit down, and that if I don't eat, that I've got a 45-minute break that I take during the middle of the wedding.
0: Hmm. I'm, I'm begging you not to come up to New Jersey to shoot. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, you, you want to know what people ask me that, because other, other pros ask me that as well when we're, when we're talking about this kind of stuff, and the reality is it never becomes an issue because by the time we sit down to have the meal... You know, we've, we've created, I've tried to create a real friendship with my bride and groom. I photographed them several times before the wedding, especially if there's time allotted for it. I come very highly recommended from referrals, a gigantic referral base. People are excited. Most of my brides have already seen me at one of their friend's weddings, Okay, and they like me, you know. Mm. So it, it's less of an issue than what it sounds like. But that's something that people were concerned about. I knew when I'm there all day, I need to eat, you know, I get hungry. Uh, what did
0: you shoot weddings with? Leslie. Uh,
1: <laughs> Ollie's, Minolta's, oh, no kidding. and Mamaya 645.
0: Nice. Wow.
1: Yeah. Did you enjoy doing it? Ne- the best part <laughs> of shooting a wedding is driving home. <laughs> <laughs> always. But I did it every weekend. What's I don't state? know about that. Here, Ohio. Ohio. New car every two years. That's what paid for that car. There you go. But you know what? I, I, I always, um, you know, there's always that meeting stuff ahead of time. But around here... The, the wedding photographers always had this thing like, <clears throat> I'm here now and everyone will listen to me.
5: Oh, you mean Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: know. But it was just, and, and I always had to remind them, remember, I am your employee. You tell me what you want. We, of course, went over what they wanted ahead of time. But when that day comes up, you tell me what you want. And they'll say, is it time to do? And I said, this is a good time. Or they'll say, tell us, when, when did we cut the cake? You got it. But remember, I am your employee. So, Robert,
0: anyway. I, th- I think you have the right attitude.
1: Thanks. And I don't. You have the attitude. You should be shooting in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. I don't know what you would have to pay me to shoot a wedding again. Okay. I don't know. It's got to finance that new car all in one wedding. <laughs> and I don't need a car right now. So I'm not doing it.
0: I heard of... Uh, in, in, in New Jersey, I heard of couples hiring a 16-millimeter film crew to shoot highlights. Have you ever heard of that?
2: No, that's, this is the first time I'm hearing of it, and that is really cool. That is really that cool. There's cool. there's
5: photographers that are using uh, Super 8 mm-hmm. um, okay. uh, reels for, for like, higher-end higher stuff. West Coast a yeah, lot, too. To mm-hmm. put a hi- uh, highlight reel together. Hi- like, mo- probably the final output is going to be, like, a minute to two-minute highlight on top of their 10-minute highlight. You know cinematography, yeah. Also, the
0: world has changed since John Fdeli and I were hitting the pavement with our uh, camcorders. uh oh. These days, the videos are short form, very short. Yeah, the couple gets a ten Tra- to twenty minute. Not even, you know. Just yeah, it's a, like a trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, they got a two-hour two tape. Two-hour. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah. And they probably much more enjoy that fifteen minutes.
0: Absolutely.
5: Absolutely. Mike, can yeah. I can I get a firm commitment to have you and John come out and make a super super eight highlight reel of my wedding? Absolutely, <laughs> that'd be amazing.
0: Only if every time, <laughs> right before John takes <laughs> a bite of his food, <laughs> someone calls John.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we need a shot over here at the bar. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be my job. There yeah. you go. <laughs>
0: well, thank thanks Robert for the. Sure. You know, I, I I'm, it's, it's awesome to hear information about what's going on with weddings in 2018. Yeah. When uh, we come back, we're going to go around the table. Uh, Mr. Mark O'Brien will come up with a topic. We don't know what that is yet. <laughs>
6: <laughs> digital cameras take good pictures the problem is your photos end up staying in your camera or you're forced to sit at your computer to see them and trying to make prints can be confusing and costly remember when you could just drop off your film and your photos were printed for you ready to be shared with family and friends well now enjoying your pictures is easy once again with the new Vivitar 35 millimeter film camera the same great picture-taking convenience you remember in a modern film camera from Vivitar the name you know and trust. No need to be a computer whiz, no passing around your camera trying to see tiny pictures on a little screen. With the Vivitar film camera, you get back real photographs just like you remember, so you can enjoy sharing your photos once again. With digital cameras, it's just so confusing. I mean, you have to deal with all the wires and the software and everything else. Uh, with this camera, I just take my picture, I get my print, I can take them and share them with anybody I want. The Vivitar film camera has a built-in flash and uses inexpensive 35mm film. Plus, with the automatic focus, it couldn't be easier. With this new camera, you point, shoot, and you have your shot this way I have my pictures everyone's enjoying it. Why spend hundreds of dollars on a digital camera that's complicated and confusing when now you can take your pictures the easy way with the new Vivitar 35mm film camera for just $10. As part of this limited TV offer you'll also receive a free roll of film. A call right now and you'll get a second camera as a bonus. Just pay separate shipping and handling. That's right you get two Vivitar film cameras and two rolls of film all for the amazing Low TV price of just $10. This offer is not available in stores, so call now.
3: Hmm. That's hmm. right, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark, now. what do you got? What have I got?
0: I want to get to you before that Mr. Brown wears off.
4: Oh, no, 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 it's not going to wear off yet. Well, let's see. I think I'd like to talk a little bit about the Minolta A5 Rangefinder. Finder nice little piece of metal here metal and glass minolta is well known for having a series of rangefinders you're probably more familiar with the hymatics much later releases It started back in the like the i think the hymatics started in the 70s but before that minolta had a series of uh, 35 millimeter rangefinders some had selenium meters and some were completely meterless and the last of those was the minolta a5 it's a really clean looking design it's got a Rockor 45mm uh, 2.8 lens in it. And interestingly enough, it's, it's got a citizen shutter with a maximum shutter speed of 1 1,000th one of a second. Ooh. Now, I haven't put this in with a shutter tester yet to see if it's actually 1 1,000th. My, my gut feeling is that it's not, but you never know. And it goes from bulb and 1 second to 1 1,000th. In most rangefinders of the era one one thousandth of a second is uh, is unusual. Being at 11500 one one was, was, was pretty much the typical range for almost anything. It's an all-mechanical rangefinder camera. it's got a bright viewfinder. No batteries are required, so it means you can take it out there anywhere. It could be your desert island ca- desert island camera. It could use Sunny 16 or an external meter to figure out what your what your exposure should be. It's got X sync and M sync for bulb for flash bulbs and for electronic flash. What's that mean, Mark? X sync and M sync. Yeah. <laughs> X sync is electronic flash, and M sync is with flash bulbs.
0: So you would attach like a bracket to that? Yeah, a so little bracket the with a fl-
4: yeah with a flashbulb. It's got a it's got a PC connector here right on the lens barrel. Yeah, and that does not stand for personal computer. It's prontor uh connector, and that's the uh, design that is pretty much universal with any camera of any note to attach an external flash. I mean, it, it really it feels pretty good in the hand. It's 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 it doesn't have any sloppy feel to it. The top deck is pretty simple. It's just got a uh, exposure counter. Uh, release button and a film advance and a film wind it's got a little pop up here it's, it's just sort of hidden it's it's rather, uh, rather, rather clean design bottom's got an ASA reminder or ISO reminder what, what color film or what speed film you've got in it so, uh, I'll pass this around, you guys can take a look it's got uh, film in it I would say that if you're looking for a range finder that's not going to break the bank, I mean these don't go for a whole, whole lot on ebay um, I just—I didn't look up what the eBay prices were, but I would bet you they're all under $50 easily. And because it's a Minolta, it doesn't get as much love, let's say, as some of the other rangefinders out there. I mean, everyone's all goes gaga over the Yashikas and all that. And to be honest, there's too many of those with with a pad of death problems and weird-ass battery problems and all that. So it's definitely worth a look.
0: Is, is there a meter in there?
4: No, no meter. No meter in there. Nothing.
0: When did Minolta... Get rid of that badass M logo.
3: Yeah,
4: <laughs> I don't just know. An M on it. It's just yeah. An M, I do It's like It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. yeah. I'll uh, bet that one out late sixties, early. 70s. Probably.
1: I never remember having anything. Yeah. With the
4: badass M. Yeah. yeah. Because bat- when the Hymatics came out, that all that changed. And if you talk about the Hymatics, I mean, there's again, you you have some of those are pretty good, and there, others required goofy batteries, and the electronics are bad in lots of those. So. If you've got something that's fairly simple like that in terms of its operation, a lot less to go wrong overall. And and there's others that, that came out in that time period. Not necessarily Minolta; they may have had selenium meters, right? And those over time get wonky. And if it's a CDS meter that requires batteries, that has the same problem too. They over time, they, if they work at all, you know, sometimes they can be pretty suspect. Especially if you can't find the battery anymore or you want to put a uh, replacement in there it's not the, quite the same value like a uh, you know, one and a half instead of 1.3 and you got that problem so i think uh you put an external meter on that with that um handheld with gossam luna pro right or whatever or even just those little Gossen pilots those are great little meters
0: Gossen luna pro f and is this passing through
4: your collection, or is this... A no, I think I'll hang on to that for quite a while. Uh,
0: any recommendations for eBay? Because I don't buy a lot of cameras on eBay, but when I do go to eBay, I'm yeah. kind of shocked. Like, every
4: year, it's... The prices keep going up. They're going up. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't check this one online before I made oh, up my a question. list of things.
1: No, I, I have an eBay comment. Check for a misspelling of the camera minolta m-i-n-e or something like that no one else checks for that they don't go for anything because they never get any bids. so there you go mike check for misspelling what about it, Yeah, all the above
4: or make sure if Canons it's Mon- with if it's two n's Monolta, you might get sure. that plastic one but as <laughs> it, I, it might be the plastic <laughs> one yeah exactly <laughs> the ben gantz version you look these up on ebay you'll find any of the minolta a, and there's a whole bunch of different a series that's it uh, a5 this is the a5 and this is the last of that series and i think it's probably the best of the series because it's just a really solid camera yeah um so uh, if you're if you see them for more than 50 bucks i'd be surprised Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. i used my imagination i i went into a freak out and i did it just right and it it, was i don't think it was script and they thanked me for it
5: afterwards Oh, am I up? Oh, yeah. All right. Cool. So I last year, I was playing with a little bit nicer uh, alternative process, so UV light contact printing process. I was doing some platinum palladiums uh, with that nature can project. Ever, can
0: people in the back here, Matt?
5: Okay, cool. How's how's my levels?
3: Ladies
5: <laughs> and... Crank them down? Oh, okay. You got it. All right. So last year I was doing a lot more uh, alternative process. Um, I was doing some higher end stuff, um, platinum, palladium, and I had a project around it when I was doing the nature preserves. Uh, I ended up getting a small portfolio of those to ODNR, um, but I I felt like I was neglecting a lot of the other options out there for alt process. I walked into the the dark room one day to go clean up what I had I'd done the night before. Just I'd, I usually just like leave it a mess, but I always forget. You know I, I share space. So I, I came in, and, and Steven, my darkroom roomie, the giant brownie camera guy, and he was uh, he was making these beautifully blue prints, and I, was, I knew they weren't regular cyanotypes just by the look of them. They looked awesome. He's like, hey, you want to make some cyanotypes? Absolute. Somehow we both had the same day off. That never happens. Um, so we just spent, spent the whole day printing um, this new cyanotype process. And it's just called new cyanotype. I guess it's been out a few years, but I mean, compared to 150, it's still new. The new cyanotype is pretty neat. Um, it tends to have a more indigo blue color to it than a kind of your traditional cyanotype. My favorite part of the process, though, was how fast it is. Okay, well, faster. So cyanotype is usually pretty slow, 20, 30 minutes of UV light, even on a you know, moderately bright sunny day. This new cyanotype process, uh, these two prints only got three minutes. In direct suns, so wicked fast exposure time. It's because the sensitizer for it is uh, is a little bit different. Um, it's it doesn't uh, just contain um, the the different metal salts. It also has um, some dichromate in there. The, the not so good stuff. Gloves. How does the average guy use that? What do you mean? Oh well, you just buy the kit. Because it looks. Because
0: when I, when I you know when you kind of dumb it down, it's like wow, it's really that easy. No, it, it's it, a
5: kit. You just buy the kit. Yeah. So uh, Formulary sells these ki- ready-to-go kits. Uh, photographers Formulary. Uh, you can also buy the components to do it um, separate yourself anywhere, or you can go to Bostick and Sullivan, and they have little kits where you mix it yourself. But the Bostick and Sullivan kit's awesome. There's a part A and a part B. You bring them together when you're ready to go, and then you coat your paper. Where do you get the paper? Anywhere. Dick Blick. Is it a watercolor paper? Preferably a watercolor paper. Hot um,
1: press, cold press. You want a lot of texture, no texture.
5: I hate texture. I'm using the oh. Hanamule Platinum Rag. That stuff is awesome. You're um, coating the paper. Yes, by. hand coating it. Yeah, with, Either brushing it on or rolling it on. Yeah. And then are you projecting a negative in a... A no, it's, it's a contact print, contact. So, so the negative goes in contact, so you can make a dig negative, or you can use a, an enlarged negative, or, you know, just a large format negative negative. Uh, just slap it right and on the there. And the chemistry doesn't harm your negative? No, as long as it's dry, because it's, it's in the paper. It's not gotcha. sitting on top of the paper. It kind of soaks into it, so that's why a watercolor paper... Uh, is preferred you can use other papers that are treated but you have to watch out the the shinier the paper is the more time it needs to dry to make sure that you don't harm your negative right Um, and a contact print even if there's a little bit of space between the negative and the paper you'll have a softening of the image it can look kind of weird you usually want to have a contact print frame which or just like a piece of glass on there to sandwich it down so the old spring frames had two giant metal springs and you put them together and they'll have like a felt hinge and you can peek at it and check the exposure but the cool thing about this process it's so fast i didn't even need to check the exposure periodically i'm usually really impatient with with other alt process but this one we uh we were printing for the whole afternoon and we made you know dozens of prints and most of it was tweaking some of steven's negatives because he was, he he thought he'd be cute and shoot some ditch, and it didn't come out as well do people know about this kid, or it's kind of quiet? It's, it's well, I think it got a, a little bit of buzz um, when it was first introduced a few years back. Um, I know it it made a debut at that F-295 conference that they have in, mm-hmm. is it in Philly or is that I in Pittsburgh? One of the two. Yeah, it's in, Pennsylvania. in Pennsylvania. There we go. So that conference is every year, and it debuted at one of those, and it's kind of... Kind of died down, but I think cyanotype is one of the f- best first alternative processes to get into. I made like a little pros and cons list about what's what's good and bad about this process. Is the pros and cons list just on a pad, like a private pad, or you shared it? No, I'm going to share it. <laughs> oh, oh, no, okay. no, I'm sharing it now. <laughs> oh, okay. So
0: let's talk about the pros. Um, Can the, I just ask one more, a few more questions? Yeah, go for it. I'm just so, fa- I mean, you folks seeing this print, I mean, I'm just it, it, Matt, it makes me want to get up off my butt. And go shoot some 4x5. Yeah, make some prints. Yeah. Make some prints. Is there, maybe you'll have this on your list, maybe not. But my question is, is there a preferred film type to use to make good new cyanotypes?
5: Oh, that's a great, uh, great question. So, of course, black and white film. Black because, and white film. Uh, a, a color neg would do weird things right. to it. Probably not good because the base layer would yeah. cancel out in the UV light. So what uh, of the Kodak variety can I shoot? Everything but T-Max 100. Oh, no kidding! Yes. Why would TMAX 100 be a problem for a contact friend? The newest formulation of TMAX 100 contains an additional UV blocking layer, which negates your process by five stops. What? Five stops at three minutes means four hours in the sun.
3: All this is, is
0: caused by UFOs! Matt, that's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just oh my you know, God. let it happen, you know. But, but TMAX 400 is fine.
5: It's great, yeah. TMAX 400 is perfect. The Tri-X
1: hap- would never let you down.
5: Never.
0: Now, never. what would happen if you, so if you, let's say you you don't know this, and you shoot the T-Max 100,
5: you'd just get not as good results? F. You wouldn't have anything most of the time. Yeah.
1: Equates to shooting a, a red sensitive film with a red filter.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Is there a, a notation in the kit not to
5: shoot T-Max 100? No, nobody notes that anywhere. I had to scour around the, you know, the dregs of the... Large format forum to find that. Wow. What are pros and cons? Oh anyway, uh so pros. Most cyanotype kits you you usually get like a half gallon of the stuff super cheap. But you have to use it right away. It goes bad within the first few weeks, um, especially if you're not coating all the time. If you leave even a little bit of air in that bottle, uh, it oxidizes out pretty quickly. The new kit, it has quite a bit of longevity since it's a two-parter. It lasts a, a lot longer. I think Stephen had been sipping on his kit for the like, the last, uh, last three or four months. So uh, it has a long shelf life on there. It produces a longer tonal scale. Um, it has a little bit more of a, a printout kind of feel. So the, uh, what happens as it, as it builds exposure and as the exposure goes on, onto it, the, the, ma- uh, the shadows start to mask themselves a little bit. So you can still see detail in the really, really dark shadow areas, and you're getting that detail in the highlight. So the cool thing there is um, that waterfall print especially had the look I wanted it to straight out of the, the water bath without having to you know, play around, scan it, Photoshop it, do anything like that. Whereas when I make a silver print, there's tons of dodging and burning and stuff involved. So that's one nice thing about alt process. Oh, and it's fast. It's wicked fast. That's the biggest thing. The downsides, it's got dichromate in it. So don't drink this. Don't get it on your skin. Use gloves. Treat, okay. treat the chemicals with respect. That's the biggest thing. Um, and then the, the wash bath. Um, they prefer you wash it with like a small, small amount of hydrochloric acid in the first wash bath, and that brightens it a little bit, clears it.
1: Hydrochloric or hydrogen peroxide? Nope. Uh,
5: hydrochloric. Uh, I looked at the, the. Where do you get hydrochloric? Where earlier. do you get hydrochloric? Whatever you call it. Hydrochloric acid. Uh, I mean, you can get it from cleaning supplies. Oh, yeah. okay. And yeah. you mix a. Just a very, I mean, super, super in water, You put like a little cap of it in the okay. water. Okay. Yep. It helps clear it out a little bit quicker so you don't have as much blue. And then after you've cleared it, uh, what I did to get the indigo color even deeper on that is hit it with a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. Okay. It's a really, really neat thing. It happens instantly. Yeah.
0: I asked Matt before we recorded if did you get a sizzle with the hydrogen peroxide. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> he said no.
4: One uh, advantage of the cyanotype process would also be if you're looking to do something in the alt process realm it's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper than platinum and palladium
5: oh way cheaper you can go yeah. nuts for 20 bucks yeah.
4: yeah i mean the other stuff is really expensive i mean you could do your own um on your own and and experiment but with the other stuff you really almost need to have a class with someone who knows what they're doing yeah just to save because you if you're done your own you're going to waste a lot of money down the drain before you figure out what you're doing wrong.
0: Platinum palladium sounds
5: intimidating. What does that mean?
0: What type of print is it when you say platinum palladium?
5: So that's the, the the metal salts that go onto it aren't silver gelatin. You're making a mixture of uh, platinum and wow. well, well, usually mostly palladium and then a little bit of platinum because the prices are just crazy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Mark piggybacking on what Mark was saying. The uh, the biggest thing when you're shooting film and you're doing using just film negatives for this is if you don't have your process down, um, to produce uh, a negative of adequate density. So like, you know, a thick enough neg that that's going to print, um, well with that process, you're just going to be shooting in the dark a lot. So you definitely don't want to mess around with, uh, you don't want to experiment with a a really thin negative, uh, or a really, really dense negative. This is something where you have a really even ready to go negative. How is the uh, new cyanotype for portraits? portraits you know is it the blue, <laughs> it the blue man group Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well I, I traditionally hate cyan i hated cyanotype because i didn't like the color of blue it was like right. this lighter kind of royal blue and now the the deeper indigo is pretty cool but another thing that you can do with this process that ha- because you're not spending a lot on the ba- the chemicals you're just spending your time you can tone The print's really well, too, so you can get, like, 20 Lipton tea bags, and you can soak it in some cheap black tea. You can add all sorts of cool stuff to get a different color tone out of the paper. How long will they last?
0: Put it up on your wall, you frame it, and then two weeks later, it's clear. (laughs) A hundred years? No No, kidding. Very very permanent, permanent. yeah. Yeah. Much more than
5: silver, Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks.
1: We have a question.
0: Oh, a question. Yes, sir. Is there anything that prevents
5: you from enlarging, like a UV source? Ooh. What's so, the question, Matt? So the question is, is there any way to enlarge with alt process, perhaps like a, a UV arc, uh, source? And the short answer is, it's a lot of effort. <laughs> well, the amount of intensity you can get out of a, a light source, it's not favorable. Um, the closest the cheapest source you have access to quickly that generates that much UV would be an LED light and that is only five percent efficient for what what juice goes in and that's that's on a good day. You have that thing running for a long time. Then the biggest part about that is it generates a ton of heat. Uh, and once it passes through a lens, you're also going to lose uh, a good amount of light going through that too. So Yes, maybe, but it's going to be much, much longer exposures. If I was gonna do any process for it, new cyanotype would be the candidate though, because it is a faster process. You might you might get twenty minutes instead of instead of three. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. So, uh,
0: Mike said that it was not good, or asked about portraits,
5: you said it was not good. What was it originally used for? Oh, uh, so um, the question was, it, I mentioned it wasn't that good for uh, for portrait, but what's um, what was it originally used for? Yes. Um,
1: I actually have some very, very old cyanotypes in my collection, and typically they were, of course, outdoor scenes, home scenes. People were just starting to experiment a little bit with this, and they could do this in a Home dark room, and that sounds like something from the 50s, but mine are actually a lot wow. older than that because they are so darn archival. They're wonderful. I don't have many, and, of course, they're tiny, Uh, Because that's why I assume it was probably more amateur rather than someone that had a plate or a sheet film camera. They were using little folders and cranking some of these out. So it was home stuff, fun stuff, experimental stuff.
5: Piggybacking on your thing, it reminded me the only time I've seen this cyanotype come into Midwest photo were like budget cabinet cards so cabinet uh, folks that were doing cabinet cards that couldn't afford the albumin print or the other larger print from a postcard size camera they got studio cyanotypes and they always looked terrible s- s- blue skin there's yeah. something
1: about it which is yeah. not that there's any reason you can't do a portrait with it because it's your negative it's not like you have to expose that paper direct it's just it's not overly appealing to see yourself blue we're not used to it we're we have warm skin. Mark,
0: you have a question.
4: Well, I was just going to back to the portraits. You Also, you don't have the tonal range in a cyanotype that you might have in a platinum or palladium mm-hmm. print either. So there's be there be for a portrait, there be really contrasty in general, right. which isn't great for most portraits. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks. This has been great. When we come back, we're going to have Jolly
0: Look Mark Two. Well, I will go into well when Mark Dalzell did his Jolly Look segment. <laughs> Little puff of steam can out of <laughs> Leslie's She's like He scooped me. He scooped me, dang I, it. I called Leslie and I said, you know Dang it. You know, no, well I, I think we want to I'm s-
1: not doing it. Not doing it.
0: We want I I, I know I knew Leslie would bring a, a different take <laughs> yeah. on the on it. <laughs> and also a different experience. And uh, we'll discuss that in just a second.
1: Sure.
6: I'm Cheryl Teague. I feel at home in front of the camera. But behind the camera, I don't know the difference between a lens opening and a Broadway opening. So I rely on my Olympus OM-10. My trusty OM-10 gets great shots automatically. My OM-10 has a smart little red light that tells me when it's okay to shoot. Oh, it's okay to shoot. Hold it, fellas. <laughs> With Olympus OM-10, great shot.
0: Automatically. Hey, we're back. The Jolly Look. The Jolly Look. Yes. Leslie, I'm going to reserve all my uh, questions and comments. Take it away, Leslie.
1: You got it. I'm either surfing Facebook or Flickr or something, and someone posted an image of their Jolly Look camera. What? They got theirs? Yeah. Okay. Then they mentioned... See, it's just all building up. This is why poor Mark DeZell had to be on the bad end of this. <laughs> then they said, you know, you can purchase these from a retail site now. They're available. <laughs> what? I said, I supported them on Kickstarter. I should have had my camera first before they shuffle them off to retail. Suppose I'm going to have to send somebody an email. So the next day at work, my favorite mailman, John, brought me a box from Hong Kong. this is like squirrel to me you know I can't even remember ordering anything from Hong Kong wonder what this could be what wait it is my jolly look it's here this is it so now come back with me in time (laughs) the jolly look was introduced as a kickstarter project I believe it was about either the last day or two of January 2017, or first day of February. It sold out, not sold out, made their goal in 11 hours. They had no concept. This thing still had 30 days to go. No concept of how popular this camera was going to be. And in a sense, that's a good thing, and that's a bad thing. This thing, I'm reading the description, I'm seeing the picture, and it is charming. I'll open it up and show it to you here. It looks like... here we go. Ooh, ah, See? look at it. Oh, uh-oh. See what I mean? Whoa, whoa. It looks like a vintage folder. It's fantastic. It is made from recycled paper and cardboard. There are no electronics uses Fuji Instax film. I mean, this thing's just like building up on the fun scale. The body, the aperture, the shutter, all made of paper or compressed paper. Only the lens, uh, tripod socket, a few other minor parts, and the film crank are either plastic or metal. They try to make the film crank out of paper. But it kept failing, and the phone rang off the hook with crank calls. Time to wake this show up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I waited forever to use that. Anyway, but how?
0: Look at Matt struggling oh with my it.
1: God. We Pass. have to be able to open it. You just pull down. Robert Hamm
5: will be able to open it up. There's
1: no magic button. You just pull down can, on it.
5: We can ask.
1: You're going to have to put something thin in there and pry it out. Anyway, it's like the bellows. Well. P- That's it. Pass her back. We're good. The bellows are red. And you know me. I'm just a sucker for red bellows. Bellows. I'm thinking, I see this thing. I want a jolly look. I want one. So, we get it. The outside carton, about the size of a new smartphone. Fantastic. Inside, there's this little black box. There are four various sized paper tubes these are paper i call them chevrons they have a chevron pattern on it they look like they have the powdered sugar in them
5: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. yeah yes and stars, i right. i
1: have for years had aversion to plastic drinking straws but i'm thinking they probably didn't know this this is probably for something else they're short we'll find out aside they go what else is in this box well there's an instruction sheet in here which pretty soon I'm, i'll lose but that's good Three small little rubber bands. Huh.
0: Look like they're for braces. They do.
1: Yeah, look dental. And a polarizing filter. A tripod plate. And I just put that in the box behind. But then there's a strap that you actually screw onto it. Now, of course, Matt and some of maybe you know, that was wasted on me. I don't use straps on my cameras. <laughs> you know. And then on the very front, there's a little happy face emoji. Look at it. It's so cute. So, you know, when the whole thing comes out. Look how pretty this is. I read the instruction manual. I watched the recommended video. I am jolly, and I am ready to go. <laughs> so we have a couple specs. It has two shutter speeds. Uh, technically three, but two time shutter speeds. One 150th of a second, and one 250th of a second. And it is all controlled by... A little metal weight bar that goes in the top. It controls the speed in which this drops. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Isn't that slick? Slick trip. F stops are uh, F8 to 64. And that does not sound like a huge range. But remember, we're using Fuji Instax. And that's an 800-speed film. pH. Pinhole. Oh, oh okay. Ah. I'll get to that. All right. Save it for so, the show. All right. Anyway, the F-stops are controlled on the side. It's just a little rotating wheel. Nicely laid out. The rubber bands. I found out the rubber bands are actually what pulls the shutter open and closed. They give you extra ones in case they break. It's in the video on how to take the camera apart and change it. Still have the mystery straws. Well, they're short. They could go in Mr. Brown's. Mr. Brown. Mm -hmm. mr brown they're just the right size but they are different now problem that i mentioned is the lens standard when it's like this it sits up straight has a tendency to collapse back so you jam a little straw in here the little straws fourth of july is coming up Got my camera. Got my film. Night before, I loaded my pack of film. I don't want to be pressurized out amongst all the patriots out there loading this thing. And it was scheduled to be a beautiful day. Got the film pack in. Cranked slow. Got to get the cover out, right? Cranked it slow. Still one in here. It's okay. It's the first time it's worked. (laughs) Uh, No, it's the fourth. (laughs) Um, it will continue to I crank fast I crank slow I took the cassette out I put the cassette back in finally the cover came out possibly that was an indication of what was to come I'm not sure I did use because I knew the f-stop I know what my shutter speeds are I used my phone an app on my phone to make my selections so I'm out downtown I'm shooting my picture I'm cranking it out they tell you in the instructions very explicitly, stop. Don't wait till this thing pops out. You need to stop before the end, or you'll just keep cranking oh. pictures out. So mm. stop when it gets about to the top, and you're good. Got my picture. It's in stacks. It's going to develop quick. Holy crap, did I overexpose that? Okay. What is it? This is nothing. I cranked out an empty, and there's a reason it's like that. But actually, um, this is your shutter. It is your viewfinder. You pull this up enough. This is your framing, and then you fire it on the camera. Nice and smooth. It it is. (laughs) Got the weight in, and I'm thinking, I'll just put the polarizer on. It's going to cut a stop and a half, maybe two stops. So put it on there. Second shot, overexposed, still a little bit. Then it hit me. I forgot to remove the weight. The weight will make it travel faster, and I'll get my one two hundred and fiftieth of a second. So the first two shots were idiot caused me stoops stoops. Yeah, third shot, I've got it going good. Change locations in case anyone's watching me. Line it up, take the weight out, and crank it, and the shot catches as I'm going out on the light trap my light trap shouldn't be you shouldn't be able to see this it pushed out a corner of it and that's it July 4th oh the whole time the stupid straw keeps falling out so I'm like chasing my little straw down the sidewalk (laughs) and I'm just like oh god Ah, this is not jolly anymore (sighs) so gave it up packed it up came home um, I sent Jolly Look a message, probably, v- I think it was a message through Facebook, and we had a little talk about it. I had already figured the exposure problem out. My problem was this issue with the top, and they communicated back immediately. It was really, uh, uh, that, w- that has been so far a good experience. What we have also received, if you were a Kickstarter, supporter of them they sent out a very lengthy update and I printed it out I'll just read you a couple lines as they indicated they had indicated and this is a quote an exceptionally high percentage of defects what they had was a plant that was making these for them they didn't have a lot of control over and things were not going well they eventually had to threaten them to get back some of their money and the rest of their components. How? How do they threaten them?
4: It was you, Fredo. Tong. you gonna go see your uncle first if you decide to go over there? Yeah.
1: I don't know.
3: It was you, Fredo.
1: Okay. Probably legal. Okay. I'm gonna bet legal. Didn't send the guy over. <laughs> <laughs> Got him a Jersey boy. Send him over. <laughs> Anyway, they have now decided to send all the components to the Ukraine, so they will be assembled there now, and it will be under their 24-7 full control over the quality uh, of the manufacture and the timing in which these things are cranked out. As I mentioned way in the beginning of this, part of the problem was the success of this. They had a lot more orders to complete than they ever anticipated. That, of course, threw their timetable off, and sometimes... And we know Kickstarter is not a place to shop retail. It's for support. But you do. Everybody expects to get something. They supported something. They were getting a little Haiti. When do I get my jolly look? When do I get it? Their, Their final statement was to finish this project and fulfill our obligations towards our backers. For us, this is translated, so it gets, you know, bear with me. For us is a matter of personal dignity. Of course, entirely for free, we will replace all ready cameras sent that turned out to be defective. This is going to take some extra time. We will do our best to fix this situation, and we will fix it. And, And I'm thinking about someone that took the time to design something as beautiful as this and as unique as this, they were passionate about this. They were serious about this, and they do want this right. They told me that they would completely replace mine. Um, I have not seen the replacement yet. I understand that. But they thanked us for our patience and our understanding. So I I do look forward to shooting with my new Jolly Look, even though this one, Mark hasn't had a lot of success. I think John Fidelli may have ordered one too. I'm he not sure. He didn't get his yet. He just has not gotten it. So he'll probably get an updated one. I don't know. Maybe they should put all these little straws on strings so at least they travel with you. But, but I am looking forward to it, and I certainly appreciate their honesty with us as consumers and also the fact that they are going to make it right, because I do I think it's a delightfully unique camera and it's going to be fun to use. So that is my experience with the Jolly Look. Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome.
0: Do we have any questions
1: about any? Oh,
0: yes, Mr. Austin.
3: I'm hey, um, glad uh, you brought this up because I had forgotten that I had ordered one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I it yet. So you are saying there are still people that have not received theirs for the first time?
1: That's Looks like it, yes. Yes. Um, uh, Austin Beeman said he has ordered a Jolly Look through Kickstarter. And he has not received his yet, so he was uh, inquiring that there would be hope that he would have. And yes, there are people that have not received them, and I'm going to assume it is that delay of making you a good one. So great, thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. Any anybody else?
0: This makes an amazing transition. Uh, this is an amazing transition into another DIY project by Mr. Robert Ham. Oh,
2: thank you. New box. Yes.
0: Yes. I was going to ask you all questions about you and your military background, but you know what?
2: Nah. (laughs) Nah. Don't worry about that. It was uneventful.
0: (laughs) You know, I wasn't in the military, so to me, I always want to hear about it. But I think it's more important to talk about your first DIY project, which was the New Box One. It's, oh, it must be very satisfying. You did it as a Kickstarter, it was successfully funded. That's right. Then you started another project called the Pin Box, which is awesome, very different. Oh, Leslie, you already have a question. I do.
1: Was the New Box your very first Kickstarter?
2: Yes, New Box was the first Kickstarter. Okay.
0: Well, well, why awful. don't you tell us, take it away, Robert, what is the New Box 1?
2: So, New Box 1 is your modern modular box camera, it's designed to kind of bring about something that started photography for all of us, and that was family photography. Back in the day, you know, with Kodak and the Brownies and everything, that was the first camera that, like you're talking about the cyanotypes and those things that mom and dad could do at their home. That was they could get a camera, take it, have pictures of their family. I think one of the, some of the Brownies had, what, 100 shots in them or something like yes, that? Yes, they did. Then you pay one price, you get the camera, you get your film development. When you're done and that's important Uh, Numox just to give you a little segue for those that don't know it started at grandmother's house 2016 February (laughs) when uh, she asked me if I could develop some film now she hands me this camera it's an old Agfa it's a 127 camera I was bragging because I was developing film and scanning it on my my V550 ooh right so of course grandmother decides to uh, throw me a curveball with some old film and I ask her how old that film is it's It's old enough, it's of a wedding. That means that it's got my grandfather in there. My grandfather was in World War II. He survived World War II. He died when my dad was 16. That means I never met him. So a box camera, which I had never really considered, was in my hands. that held pictures of someone in my family that I'd only ever seen a portrait of. And that really touched me. And so I started looking at the camera, the poor box camera, that medium with new eyes. And I saw it as the way families chronicled their history. And I thought to myself, I want to do that and I can make this. And so that's how it started. That's how the, the whole concept of, of the new box came about. Realistically, when I looked at the, the camera that grandmother gave me and I saw her framed up in the viewfinder and it was just old, but I could see her, you know what I mean? That really opened my eyes. And then when I looked at the camera, of course, like I said, the film was in the camera, but it wasn't spooled. It was already wound up and it had been sealed with rubber bands and a piece of paper. For decades, so I took it apart, which is what I will do if someone's if if I'm in your car and I hear that your speaker's crackly, I'm going to take it apart and put some paper tape on the cone of your speaker. It's just what it's going to be. So don't give me your key and, and walk away to go into the gas station. So when she handed me the camera, you should imagine her surprise when she came back and the front plate was off and the viewfinders were out and I was washing the glass and looking at the how the uh, the actual shutter mechanism worked. And she was concerned, but we put it back together and I realized that that design. 70 years on, my grandmother's 94, 70 years on is working. And although the springs may be slower that create the, you know, the shutter speed, it's still working, meaning it's still viable for chronicling your history today. And that's important. And uh, so from there, I just realized, man, we can do this. And lots of the stuff people ask me is, is, are things patented here and there and the other thing? And the reality is, so much of this is pre-1929 for the design. It's in the public domain. I just wanted to do something a little different with it. And I, I thought of three things that would make this important. First of all, I'm a portrait photographer. I love photographing families, which, Leslie, is why I like photographing weddings. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to increase the shutter speed up to about 1/250th because I'm not going to get kids on the swing at 1/60th, right? Uh, it's just not going to happen. Not the way that I'd like for it to. So the second thing I thought to myself was, my gosh, the camera I was looking at had a lens in the cartridge design. I'm thinking, how come there weren't other field of views? I mean, I understand it'd be difficult to make the viewfinder switch out, but you could, you could put some approximations in there. So I did. I put the lens in the cartridge. I put an aperture and shutter design that made it all work. I gave enough space in the box so that we can have a wide angle, around 60 millimeters with uh, medium format film, uh, 120 which is about 28, somewhere around there, on 35, something like that. And then the standard angle, which is 95 millimeters, which gets us about 55-ish, so your standard angle. And then the other thing I thought to myself was, man, I see a lot of F11s, F8s. I mean, I need something really wide to get a portrait. So we just made an aperture stick, which would be hard for me to pull out right now because, you know, Live, um, that could and someone put it in backwards last time. That's cool. That, I probably did that, but that would allow for different apertures. And if you want to take it all out completely and shoot it, in this case f four point five, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. But the newer models have updated just because of lens optics and everything. From my testing, I think four point five is a little wide. Five six is about the the widest you'd really want to shoot on this particular lens. And even then, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna if you're gonna shoot a portrait with new Newbox. You're going to be a little bit more savvy you're going to understand depth of field and how aperture affects that you're going to have to understand how close you need to get to your subject in order for it to be in focus because it's all zone focus it's basically at f22 everything from about seven feet to infinity is in focus and then as you open up your aperture that changes just a little bit but it really changes your backstop like how deep the the depth of field is and so it started creating this little wave that was cool people liked it it felt good in the hand it winds fun feels nice, and, I don't know, it's been a lot of fun. been a great project.
0: How long did it take you to put your first prototype together?
2: Uh, r- uh, I think eight months when I had a first prototype, almost a year right before I had one that actually I would want to show you the image from mm. uh, because it was a difficult process, and most of that time was spent. I spent hundreds of dollars, probably more than that, but I spent a sum of money buying lenses and testing different lenses, and the problem is there's just you can get a double-convex or plano-convex lens made today. Most people aren't making meniscus lenses. They're going to be a different kind of order. And um, you want the meniscus lens in this kind of camera because it's going to give you the most consistent um, focal plane where your pressure plate would be in this case, the back of the, uh, the box it push pressure up there uh, plano convexes and things like that are great for like magnifying but you're always going to use a negative meniscus to uh, normalize that that f-stop and kind of lower the f-stop so it brings everything onto the same plane better otherwise you're gonna have that that focal plane just kind of be the, the light rays won't converge right they'll be just slightly out of phase uh, not that out of phase is the correct term there but they won't be aligned properly and then you're gonna have an image that's fuzzy you don't want that. So there was a lot of that. I didn't know that at first. Okay, guys, recognize. I didn't know that. So I bought everything under the sun. Then, well, just through luck, I've, I found out. And a little bit of, like, learning the, uh, the, light, the uh, lens maker's equation, which was kind of tough for me because I'm not an engineer. I came to realize that uh, there was a ballpark of where I needed to be. And that was this positive meniscus at this focal length for this format, and that's when I started being able to ask for custom orders, and that's when things got interesting. So um, that's the the nutshell, the story in a nutshell. I did poison myself twice with resin printing. Okay, mm, I was no not. No kidding. I didn't. Um, I didn't respect the chemicals. Gotta. Oh, you got to. And um, I'm, I'm working in a small office to build this. It's um, nine feet by twelve feet. Yeah. So we. So it's a small office and. You know, off-gassing and fumes and getting some of this stuff from the the resin and Mm -hmm. particularly the kind of printer I was using. The concept was that Newbox, although I was creating Newbox, there's a a very important passion that Pinbox fulfilled, and that was to make a a camera that would teach you how to make cameras. Now, Newbox is quite a bit more complex than the cardboard camera, pinhole camera, Pinbox. But the idea was that there would be a forum because when I was trying to find lenses, you just couldn't get the lens I want in one lens. When I wanted pieces and springs, you just couldn't get them. So the idea with Box was to create something that makers could invade the space and take this reference design and just go hog wild with it and make something great to kind of reinvigorate the DIY community. Plus, if you got a 3D printer, most people just print tchotchkes like, you know, like the, the Millennium Falcon or the tower, you know, the... Eiffel Tower that's cool but you don't take a picture with those things I mean I take a picture of them but, and so that's where we are with Newbox and that's kind of the the whole idea that came about
0: At what point, I'm sorry go ahead Matt
2: Oh I was going
5: to ask if you could pass it around
2: Yeah sure, yeah. At what there's point, film in there so please careful with the shutter So
0: at what point were you, did the um, idea of Kickstarter, from the beginning did you say I want to do this as a Kickstarter or as you po- started putting it together are saying hey I could share this with people in the community and do a fundraising how did that come about
2: so the idea of kickstarter was there from the beginning i didn't plan to uh to have a big um thousands like jolly look very happy that they had the success of thousands and thousands of orders but that's not exactly what i was looking for i wanted to create a camera that could be a reference design that would then build a community around designing cameras, so we had to have a product, we had to have something there, and the best way to raise that uh, awareness and build that community was in my opinion at the time through Kickstarter and some other blogs, just like the the f p p to help kind of uh, beat the drum. You guys have been a key to a key partner in our success, so I do appreciate that and because of that the uh the biggest part people you know we raised. Uh, A little over 22,000 on Kickstarter which isn't a lot and then we've got about another 10, 12,000 from additional funding afterwards but what has happened is that there's a community that's been built around it so the camera raised the awareness that will at uh, at the end allow for the the actual designer and the maker community to come in that's the community I'm trying to to bring in right now and that's where Pinbox comes in Pinbox comes in because Pin box being much simpler, being made out of cardboard, compressed craft board, being uh, cut on a Cricut machine, something that you might find, or a brother scan and cut, something that you might find if you're a wedding photographer and you make uh, scrapbooks or wedding albums. You might use that, or if your mom or dad is kind of crafty. Something that you can put together pretty easily. You're welcome to pass that around and wind it and stuff. If P- P- like.
0: Pinbox is a true DIY project where you, you get the plans, you print it yourself, you assemble it yourself.
2: The nice part about Pinbox is I the kit comes with everything you need to include the reference design files as well as videos on how to put it together and create your own. But in the kit you get reusable and replaceable pieces. The cardboard is replaceable. You can find it pretty much anywhere. And the, uh, the reusable pieces are the aperture. We're using Stainless steel apertures that are uh, 150 microns up to 500 microns uh, down to, you know, a half a millimeter. And that's important because at different focal lengths, the different widths of the aperture will actually change what that focal length is. So that's part of the design process. You get to decide you want a 60 millimeter, a 30 millimeter focal length with your aperture and which one you want to use. But those are reusable. So if the camera ever... uh, is compromised and you want to build another one save the winding keys save your film spools right and save the aperture it's in there it's made to come out so the apertures are all stainless steel acid etched with vinyl discs that when you place into the camera for use if you ever need to take them out they come out without ripping and maintaining their their usability you do glue them in but the vinyl just uh, kind of sticks <coughs> to it so it comes off easy so then you go make another one
0: in the uh new box one is there film in here yes there's film oh boy <laughs> Did you open it a little bit? Oh, that's okay. Just a, just a little, just like a super peak. Oh yeah, and I don't think I was in. If you're doing a super
2: peak, that's that's no problem.
0: Yeah, maybe a little problem. Uh, this feels really good. I love how it does. It, is. it feels solid. Thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. That's
2: that's something about 3D printing that was difficult to uh, kind of get people to understand, and there uh, well, I'll talk about some things that I'm working on with the campaign as we're continuing right now because we're in our. We're closing in. We're actually in the middle of our delivery window right now, and um, which is exciting because we'll begin shipping these just as soon as the lenses, the bulk order lenses come in. But most people are so used to 3D printers that print tchotchkes. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with whatever you would like to print on your 3D printer. Your printer, go for it. But um, the my wife... Quinn, when we got the 3-D printer, the first thing she found was things for me to fix around the house that would benefit from 3-D printing, and you see, that's, that's the utility of the medium that's kind of not being used by, um, by most people. We print these toys. We print these things that we put on the wall, and I'm okay with this stuff for collections. We print stuff for cosplay or, or for the cons, and that's cool, too. I'm cool with that, but why not print a camera, you know? Why not, and so... Because we're used to these little keys that you find, and because the printers are generally cheap and inexpensive that most people are buying, you don't expect a, a finish or a level of quality that feels good. And that's what we've done here.
0: The pin box, the, the pin box feels good, too. It, feel, it doesn't feel like it's printed on onion skin.
2: Well, I like it because <laughs> uh, one of the key components of pin box is that it needs to be sturdy so that it doesn't get crushed. Right. Right? And the biggest thing, when I, first of all, I love the Jolly Look. Um, I, I did not back it at the time because I did not know about the Jolly Look at the time. But I, if you're telling me I can buy one somewhere, I'm going to do it. I think it's, it's, it's great. And I like it. Okay, great. I like that. But Pinbox, what I was looking at, I looked at some a couple of other cameras like um, the Verder camera and uh, by the Pinhole Company, mm-hmm. I believe it is. Man, isn't she great. She did some great Kickstarters, and she's a, an excellent designer. And I, I looked at those cameras, and I looked at a lot of cardboard cameras, and I made lots of cardboard cameras with designs that you could get for free. I even made cardboard cameras that you, you know, drink your beer. Absolutely. You know, yeah, that's the best part of that pinhole, make your own pinhole. Mm-hmm. And I found out a couple of things. Number one, I like small cameras. It's just my deal. So I, I prefer a tiny camera. I prefer I fit it in my pocket, number one. And number two, I like cameras that are have pretty solid. So how do you do that with cardboard and the answer is that you laminate it so we've got a Mm -hmm. process that actually laminates that you do that yourself but also the most important part the film spools this one has no film in it but you're welcome to spool it just so that you can feel how smooth it it spools the film spools are the structural elements in the piece there are two cross members for the camera obscura that actually that's 120 um, this is 120. If you didn't know, all of the cameras, ham cameras, done so far, new box and pin box are 120. New box is six by nine, 120. Pin box is six by six, 120. Which is pretty cool. Special. Time, I thought
4: it was 35 mm Yeah. Uh, so did I.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, well, that's great because then it uh, helps me recognize <laughs> that I achieved my function of creating a small <laughs> camera. Yeah. Uh, but please look around, we'll pass this around in a second, that you will see that the the film spools provide the structural strength for the camera. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like it all the more. That's nice. And also, the the winding keys, this is very important, the winding keys are reusable so that you can actually get a satisfying wind experience. When we pass the camera around next time, please look at it and wind it and feel how it winds. We've chosen to use the very soft uh, but rigid Um, craft board on the entire camera and what you'll find people ask well do you get any scratches on your film from it and the answer is no and the answer is no because of the way that we put that camera obscura area together it's not laminated on the last eighth of an inch which allows that to kind of bend slightly to form around the film we also have about a 45 degree 50 degree angle depending on how well, you process put it together so that you have a nice soft angle for the film to load over the uh, the obscure housing, which will allow it to set nicely, provide a good solid square frame for your square frame camera six by six, and feel good winding with no scratches. I love it. So
4: it's pretty much a, a, quite a wide angle too. Then,
2: so that's great. So it's um, it's it's an extremely wide angle, and I don't know the exact. I think we're getting, we're getting. Better than 90. Okay. At that. We're at 30 millimeters right there.
0: This is why right I thought you had some engineering because you seem to put a lot of practicality and well thought. Well, I yeah, definitely. You seem I to interested in me in the yeah, I am
4: because you know I, I've seen so many of these little 35 millimeter pinhole cameras Thank and you. after a while I, I don't think of 35 millimeter as an ideal format for pinhole just because of the granularity of the image and all that. But 120 is really good and yeah, that's I'm pretty excited by it.
5: Um,
0: Robert Both were successfully funded?
2: Yes, both were successfully funded. Um, we had two hundred and thirty seven backers on Kickstarter for New Box that equated to right around twenty thousand dollars, twenty two thousand. Right. As since then there's been additional support to right around thirty thousand, thirty thirty five thousand dollars ish has been coming for new box. New boxes are expensive and kind of difficult to produce, but um, they're really Solid, nice. I even got some images I'll pass around. Have you seen any new box images? Mike? Uh, only
0: on your website. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Not in hand. Were you prepared for the type of backing that you received? Like, are you prepared to make that amount of cameras? Yes. Okay, good.
2: Yes. And like I said, we're in the middle of our... our um, we're in the beginning of our uh, shipping window I, I did, first of all you don't know a hundred percent what's going to happen on kickstarter if i had the success that jolly look had, of course it, like you said it would have been a double-edged sword it would have been great but there's there's one me making the cameras and there's a lot of time in the cameras and it's a chunked assembly line process produce this produce this produce this and then a symbol finishing a symbol um but here's some images, real quick, and and I'll send you these files so you can put you can put links to them. But um, please pass them around. And these are one of those images. is um, is kind of unfair to show because it took a roll of film and it took an hour and a half to set up and it took lights from the car and it was it's the black and white image. But people always ask about that one, and yeah, that that happened because I was I was just. Moving in and out, I, was, I understood the depth of field, what the camera could do. And out of all eight shots on that roll, that one just happened to be the one that came out really nice. And getting uh, it, it kind of solidified my portrait effect that I wanted to get with the camera because it shows that if you, if you nail it and you're just right, you can get a solid, solid image. And uh, I was happy with that. And then at the same time, I'll show you some bums so you can see how I screw it up too. Uh, <laughs> those two or something else. Here we go. Here's Ektar. Great to shoot Ektar. Beautiful day in a forest that decides to downpour rain, and you get caught in a cave, and that's a great time for Ektar. When you go from an EV of, you know, like, uh, like, like 17, 16, 15 down to 7 or 6, it's, um, <laughs> it changes the scope. But even there, you can kind of see what the lens can produce uh, mm-hmm. even in even just in like the the non contrasty areas it's still kind of cool the nice part about new box is with the apertures and i don't have them in front of me right now so i, I won't speak to hundred percent specifics but if you understand where they are and you you're, uh, you understand what the depth of field just using a regular depth of field conversion right mm-hmm. that's supplied this information is supplied with new box then you could say well at um, I think one of those was like f56, that the aperture, that the image was taken or something like that, the, um, you know that you need to be six and a half feet away. And so if you choose an area where you're six and a half feet away from your subject, whatever part you want to be in focus, right, and you choose an area that's got some, some background to it, at about uh, 10 feet, 12 feet after that subject, you start to blur. And so if you choose an area that's nice and deep depth of field, you know, deep as in nothing obscuring you, not right up against a wall, then you can get some just insane bokeh. You can get some beautiful separation with a box camera that uh, you just wouldn't expect. And it's kind of exciting.
0: Also, couldn't you kind of DIY it and grab one of your, your Koken close-up filters and kind of hold it in front of the lens and to get a closer portrait and if you wanted to give that a shot?
2: I haven't tried that, um, and I'm, I'm sure that you could, but I haven't. I can't speak to it specifically because right. I haven't tried it. But uh, I don't see why not.
0: It's like anything else. Get the camera, and you want to like go out and
4: experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Put a wacky filter in front of it. Right. Go for it. Absolutely. Well, and also, if you look at almost all the old box cameras, their nominal aperture was about f11, mm-hmm. right. and one thirtieth of a second. So. You would have great depth of field with those, just because it, they had to build it in to be from like nine feet to infinity.
2: So right now, everything with Pinbox at Pinbox is twenty bucks, right? Right. And you get your acid etched stainless steel aperture with your vinyl disc. You get everything to make it. So all of the support for Pinbox, nice. other than i uh, I'll pass this around to, other than a welcome thank you sheet, is actually online. So you go to Ham Camera, and you guys can see right now all of that information. And uh, backers and purchasers of Pinbox actually get two additional files. And those files are the creation, the reference, and the design sheets. And you don't have to be – I'm not an engineer, so I designed Pinbox in Photoshop. And I talk about how there are free alternatives that read layers like Photoshop documents that you can download and begin experimenting with changing things like focal length. And i got a video that talks about how to do that. Right.
0: Very good. Thank you very much, Robert.
2: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Wow, I think it's pretty awesome, the whole DIY mo- movement, Matt. When do you expect shipping shipments shipping out of the new box one?
2: I expect shipping to begin next month with new box one. So that will got- be
0: September 2018?
2: Yeah, September. Okay, yeah. awesome. Um, and we plan to be fulfilling our shipments by the end of October. Okay, so the question is, hey, can you flip the lens with new box? Lots of times, old uh, box cameras, people would have a lot of fun flipping the lens and getting some interesting artistic effects and the answer is yes you can flip the lens if you would like to flip the lens my suggestion because I like taking portraits is no don't flip the (laughs) lens right because um, I prefer you know portraits but the cool part about the entire project is once once new box ships then an online store will be available for developer kits so that you can create new box you will have access to the lenses because i'm trying to well i'm not trying i've purchased a supply of lenses at different focal lengths that you would want to use to make your own cameras and that includes pinholes uh in a wide variety and that includes springs so the concept with all of this is that i create reference hardware that you guys make better and i can help you with the uh, that's pretty cool can't get amazing yeah i do yeah thank you robert very good. Thanks, guys.
0: We're going to, for these shows where we have an, a studio audience, we have a little program where we're going to do a pop-up giveaway. How do, I know we discussed it yes, yesterday, Leslie. How does this work? It's really fun.
1: How your name th- is in here. Yes. If you gave me $5, your name is in here more than once. <laughs> I'm only on that $5 What thing. happens...
0: If we pick a name, Must be present. and we sh- hold up a present, and the person's like, uh, can, they, de- d- can they decline it?
1: Oh, we'd be so <laughs> insulted if they had declined our gift.
0: Well, didn't we say, like, don't we don't like actually, horse we'll keep the drawing,
1: though, until we find someone that's here. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Right. And then we, if, but if someone doesn't want it, or they, I have that camera, or whatever it is, we could put them back in? Yeah. Oh, that's right. They could... If we put you back in, you're taking a chance we na- may never pull your name again. Yes. Right. That was mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So we are doing a pop-up giveaway where we're going to draw your name.
3: Press this
1: down to Mr. Ham for the draw. Oh, yes. Ooh. And What are we giving
0: away today? We have Attention. we have a up. Oh, okay. A 120SF Features mark? with if, a flash. Okay. Um, me and mention. these aren't, like, super cheap, are they? Like, these are,
4: this is... Well, they, they we thought they disappeared for a while, and right? And then they yeah. brought them back. Yeah. And so I don't know what they're going for now, but there's, what, 35, 40 bucks?
0: Yeah. It takes uh, 120 roll film. You could shoot either 16 exposures or 12 exposures per roll. And um, it's a famous camera. What can I say? Exactly. That's awesome. It's not the FPP debonair, but it's <laughs> <roll done>. it'll, <laughs> it'll do. It'll
1: do. All right. Do you have a name? Yeah, let's do it. All right.
2: Edward Serrano. Yeah. Edward.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Edward is all the way from L.A., everyone.
0: So all right. Edward is from Los Angeles, like Leslie just said. Mm-hmm. Travel all the way to Finlay, Ohio. Amazing. 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 <laughs> well, Robert, did we miss it? I know we didn't talk about the mint, but... We're going to have you skid into an, a different show. <laughs> oh, you got it. Just talk about that, because that is completely fascinating. Well, thank and you. to get your hands on it is, its it means the world to actually hold it and look through it and shoot with it. Did we miss anything regarding your, your 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 Ham Camera company, or you got it covered?
2: I think we got it covered. And where can folks find you? Hamcamera.com. And that's Ham with two Ms, by the way. Of course, if you have a question... Uh,
0: Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Folks can send us an email. How can people contact you, Robert?
2: Rob at hamcamera.com. Awesome. That's two M's, you guys. Two M's.
0: Uh, we're going to hit the rickety road for this particular show. I want to thank everyone for your awesome topics, and we're going to see everyone very soon. Thank you.
3: Down here, everyone says that the river people don't live belong I know What it's like to be a stranger And divide a town beside a frontier People want your business and little more I watch shadows lengthen from a closed door Mountains wide is clearer to the river people than what others try and hide You spoke Pushed your chair back at the meeting I could tell that you were petrified Said the best people can suddenly oppose The side of goodwill and then it arose Four people crossed the floor I saw children run and wept amidst the uproar